0: Okay, what is up, everybody? This is JJ and season two of the mini Manso Fridays, as you guys heard in that first episode of season 10, which let me just say, we've launched a lot of episodes at this point together. This was probably the most well-received episode that Kate and I have ever dropped together. It was like wild to see the positive reaction and response that we got from everyone. You guys have been so encouraging. And if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, season 10 of Hearted Dating just dropped. And it was about sex for singles. Building a healthy sexual ethic, expectation, foundation as a Christian single Basically, the gist is instead of shooing the singles out of the room when we talk about sex, it's hey, how can we actually have a conversation about it in singleness that, quote unquote, is not going to cause us to stumble, but really, really educate us and challenge us? Because when you walk into marriage, all your disappointment, all your challenges will most likely be rooted in unmet expectations. So today we are going to be talking about, are you ready? Preparing to be a great husband checklist. So, if you guys were not at conference or did not see it, Sam Collier and I, who basically is the man, he's down in Story Church Atlanta. We're gonna get him to come on here. Don't worry about it. We talked about and had a forum that was supposed to be fifty minutes. It ended up being an hour and a half, where we basically just shared about thirty minutes of what was on our mind to share with single men. And then the second half was a QA, and a which was super, super rich. And we felt like we walked out of that. And Sam and I were just talking. We we're like, man, there's just so much there that we have to revisit. Like there's just too much there that we can't just leave it unattended. So what I'm basically doing today is kind of recapping and expanding on what we learned. I'm telling you the funniest thing about conference and coming back was every man who walked in those doors was getting hounded by women saying, what did you guys talk about? What did you guys talk about? So I know we have a lot of women listening to this. Hey, girls, you're welcome to listen in. But basically what we're going to talk about is you're a single man and you desire to be a great husband. And the logic is this. It's a great analogy. If you desire to be in the NFL, the MLB, or, you know, with work, if you desire to be a founder of a company or director or a VP at your firm, that journey takes decades and decades. And that promotion and those titles, that happens years and years before. So if we say we want to aspire and dream to be a great husband, that it just doesn't make sense that I would get drafted into the NFL off no work and no talent, and then expect to be a great, NFL player, right? So that journey happens now, right? Where we envision ourselves as a great father, a great husband, a great leader of our future family. And we say, that's the man I want to be. Here's what I'm going to start doing today to get there. Okay. So what we want to do and what I want to offer you guys is we're going to do a men's night. The details are gonna come on this. It's basically gonna be a continuum of this checklist and why it's important, and then just a Q and I think one of the backbones as a single man and what we'll talk about in this episode is, listen, get around men who are wiser than you, who are smarter than you, who have more life experience than you. It is so simple and how far that goes. And changing you and molding you. Just get around men who show you what it looks like to be a great man. Okay. And then a little bit more housekeeping and we'll get into it today. The roadmap. Some episodes are going to follow the main podcast of the week, which was super cool. I hope you guys really, really enjoyed that example of we did a whole episode on when to walk away and was specifically geared towards women. And then we did a part two, for the men, which was such a cool episode because I don't feel like there's a lot of resources like that for men. Hey, men, I've heard even really well-respected pastors who are just like, you see these red flags, she's crazy, walk away. I'm like- Man, that's like a little hurtful. I get that there might be a little bit of truth in it, but let's unpack it a little bit more. Let's really make sure men know what to look for and that they're encouraged into either staying in a situation that they feel called and led to and have safety in and support in, or if it's a really unhealthy situation, when they know when to walk away. So we love, love, love equipping the men here, listening to this. These are resources and episodes I basically say, I wish I had this when I was single and dating. I wish somebody who was smarter than me, wiser than me, who I trusted could look at me and say, hey, JJ, you probably need to get out of this relationship and here is why, right? So that's the foundation, the backbone of the season and why we do these episodes. If you're a dude and you enjoy it, It's also really meant for you to send it to another guy and say, hey, do you want to talk about this? Or if you're a girl, this is one of my favorites because we just naturally have a little bit more women who listen to this podcast in general. They send it to a guy that they're dating as kind of like, hey, you heard it from this guy, not from me. There you go. And it's so funny because it's a really great way to get that message across. I can't tell you how many times we've heard that story. Okay, jumping into you know what we did last season, which I would love to know if you guys enjoyed it or not, is what I am loving this week, right? I talk about something spiritually I'm learning this week, I talk about a book, I talk about a movie, a lifestyle change I've made lately. You guys let me know, like this is an episode by the people, for the people, you You guys let me know if that's a segment that you enjoy, because I can do it if you like. And if you're like, hey, I just want to listen to this episode. You've been rambling for seven minutes now. Get going. I'm like, okay, totally cool with me, dude. So you guys let me know. In the meantime, I will just let you know. Here, two things off the top of my head. I've been doing the Whoop, the Whoop bands. Um, You know, I got gifted the band. I think it's kind of expensive, like $150. And what really makes me so mad, it makes me so upset, is I have to pay 30 bucks a month for the subscription for the data. I'm like, whoop, I know you guys are smart, but this makes me so mad. I hate having to pay for the data, but the data is that good. so. You can really argue is it worth it or not. I love it because I get all my sleep data. I can charge it one time. It lasts five days. It doesn't tell the time, which is kind of funny. It's really great for in-depth data like heart rate variation. I can tell if I'm getting sick or not, or if I need more sleep. And it's really great workout data. But besides that, if you have money to spend and you're curious, I'd say try Whoop. But I'd say it's a, like a very solid 7 out of 10, you know, uh, just because I hate that. Th- I You know, I'm a frugal guy, all right? I can't help it. So, what else I'm loving this week? I'd say, man, we're just riding like an emotional gratitude high of conference. I think it's so important to have these super, super rich weekend experience. Again, it's so important to have super, super rich fellowship with other people and like a conference fellowship. I actually think that's like a staple, just gathering with hungry, vulnerable people who want to heal, who want to learn from God and experiencing that. I just, Kate and I for seven days straight after that worship set on Saturday night, we're just soaking in that worship, just like sustained us. And so I would just say, if you guys are doing your quarterly planning or yearly planning, it doesn't even have to be the Heart of Dating conference. Just get into a room where there are hungry people around you for God and it is worth it. Like it is that simple. So moving on, questions in my DMs. I love this segment. I'm gonna keep it just in trust. I think all the guys like it. This one I thought was kind of interesting. He says, hey, I'm a 26 year old dude in Vancouver. I didn't grow up Christian, but I did become a Christian six years ago. Growing up, before I was a Christian, I always struggled with women and I had a hard time dating even when I was a non-believer. So now that I'm a believer, is it realistic to have hopes of finding a wife who's also a believer? I just don't want to be delusional and expecting something I can't obtain. Also, I don't mind settling because I'm not going to be single for the rest of my life. So to sum up the question, can an average dude who has had a hard time attracting women in general have hopes of finding a wife of how God designed it to be? Okay, (laughs) so I'm sure some of us listening here, we all have thoughts and opinions. One, I would just say this, like, welcome to the faith. One of my favorite things to hear Christians say is, hey, I had no spiritual background, and now I'm a Christian. I love it. And then regarding this question, I would just say, dude, there's so much to unpack. My spiritual ears and what I wanted to say is so much, but I would just ask you, what's your objective in dating? And what is your objective in marriage? Like, what is your mission for marriage? Is it to find a godly wife and multiply the kingdom? Because then finding a godly wife or settling for a non-godly wife is not in the equation, right? So I would just say, like, for me, it sounds like there's a foundational... Issue going on in dating and your framework and for marriage. So a book like Meaning of Marriage by Tim Keller would be a great place to start or outdated with J.P. Pecluda. I would really, really heavily encourage you to figure out what your foundation of dating is, like what's your objective and of marriage. Because it kind of sounds like your idea of marriage is not quite there if I'm being a little bit more blunt. And ultimately... You know, it's totally realistic for any godly dude to desire and find a godly wife. There's absolutely hope in that quest, in that desire. But your expectations in that quest should and must be rooted in something greater than you and I can manufacture. Meaning, God and God's expectations and his plan is better than yours. And guess what? That's going to be, like we set a conference... God's unexpected plan is way better than mine, but I would just encourage you, my friend, there's a lot of foundational things that we need to figure out as dudes about what we want for marriage before we even begin to date and before we begin to look what to look like, okay? So here we are today, guys, you want to prepare to be a great husband. Here's a checklist. All right, let's just jump into it. Like, let's go. You ready? finances we're going to talk about finances we're going to talk about therapy getting your mind right getting your heart right we're going to talk about fellowship like who's around you and your mission and then we're going to talk about character okay finances we're going to go there therapy we're going to go there fellowship mission and character okay that's why we're here and listen if you're listening to this episode my brother i just want to encourage you do you want to be a good husband Because if you do, that's great. It's it's great. That's what you want. That's what you're willing to put in. This is for the man who sits there and says, I want to be a great husband. I either saw my dad be a great man. I had that model for me. Or if you're like me, and you can't really... Like Tom Brady, if you guys remember that NFL interview before the Super Bowl, they asked him who his hero was. And he's like, very dramatic. And he goes my dad and he starts tearing up and he goes yeah my dad that's my hero i'm like man that's great that's not my story okay <laughs> so if you guys are if you guys are a dude like that who have a dad that you can say is your hero you you know it's a blessing it's a lottery and then for those who did not have that guess what we get to declare a new spiritual lineage we get to declare a new model who we want to follow. And there's just so much hope in that statement. So here we go, women listening in. I'm sure you're going to love this, but here we go. Finances. Okay. Let's keep it real. If you want to get married, you want to be a great husband. You, you have to be able to take care of your wife financially, plus, and eventually a family. Okay. It's the second leading cause for divorce, I promise you guys, this is not an area you ever want to have stress in because marriage is already hard enough. Okay. And here's your litmus test. You ready? And if she has a job, like Kate, it's a, it's a cherry on top. As Tim Collier said in our breakout, if they have a job and they're making sufficient money is great. I love it. I'm so happy for you. However, the way you should really look at it like this is if she lost her job, would you be able to sustain this marriage financially? Ignore her income, her income aside, can you pay the bills? Okay, that's the question. And we don't say this in a place of, you know, you are the male head of the family, you got to be the breadwinner. This is just simple economics. If she's not working, can you sustain the marriage? Can you? Can you keep the family afloat with your income a lot? And <laughs> this is so funny. But if you want to get married, like, we got to ask, I got to ask you, like, I'm not saying are you rich? I'm just saying, do you have money? Like, do you have enough money and income to sustain a family and a wife? And your answer is, I'm working on it. Okay. I'm I, No, not yet. I'm working on it. And as Sam Collier says well, keep working, my friend. Okay, you got to keep working. You're just like, that is a great litmus test. If you're not ready to sustain a spouse and a marriage financially, then you're just not at a place where it's wise to marry. You can do it. And guess what? There's guys listening here who are going to walk away from this episode. They're going to get married and financially, they're probably not going to be in the best place. And it's going to be hard. It's going to be challenging. The big thing is this. Women, we all have core desires And in general, you can sum up some core desires for the majority of women and some core desires for the majority of men. And women, do you know what they want more than anything? One of their core desires is they want safety. Okay. They want to feel safe and secure. And when you, you know, look at you and me, we act our worst when we feel unsafe. So, Emotionally, spiritually, our women, they want to feel safe and secure. And financially, they want to feel safe and secure. Marriage will challenge you to the very core. You've heard it. You're going to keep hearing it, okay? Please do not add financial stress. That is one of the areas of stress and safety and security that you have a lot of control over more control over going into marriage. Do not throw in financial stress on top of all the challenges of marriage, okay? We have some divorce men and women listening to this. They can tell you firsthand, like it is not something that you wanna argue over, okay? And I wanna say this as a quick note, because I see, you know, I grew up in a charismatic circle. I grew up in a non-denominational evangelical circle. We could probably just do a whole nother episode on this when it comes to career, Invocation. listen guys, if you're a passion project, what you're passionate about, and the passion that you, got, you feel like God has called you to, if that doesn't pay the bills, then it's not gonna work, okay? I love that you have a passion. I love that you have a dream. Work on it outside your nine to five, okay? God's given it to you, steward it well, see what God can grow it into, but do it outside of your nine to five. You could totally work a nine to five job and have plenty of hours outside of your day-to-day to work on your side hustles, your passion projects, and what God has led you to, okay? And I will say this, to get more personal with you, like I talked about with Tom Brady, I can't brag on my father in a lot of ways. Like, I love him, and this is not a bashing. I just, I can't sit up there like Tom Brady. But I will say this. What I did appreciate about what he modeled for me is that he would do whatever it takes to financially provide for our family. We had five children. We came from a missionary background overseas. Obviously, you're living on donations. You're living on a month-to-month basis. We came back to Jackson, Tennessee, West Tennessee, five kids, all in elementary school through high school. And when he lost his jobs, whether in real estate in 2008, whatever it was, a school job, he would do whatever it took to provide, whether it meant working at a convenience station, a gas station on a Friday night. He wasn't home for eight months because after the hurricanes in Louisiana, he went and worked with FEMA as a FEMA inspector on a contract job when he was out of work. Like he would do whatever it takes and humble himself to any level. To pay and that's the kind of attitude i i definitely respected in him was doing whatever it took to financially provide for the family and my mom worked too she was a massage therapist entrepreneur really really amazing woman but he refused to just sit there for the most part okay so that is finances and that is one of the most important ones you know, the last thing there is this. Like some guys want to get really, really practical and be like, oh, "Like what amount of money? A hundred thousand a year, sixty thousand a year, two hundred? It just depends. Like the the easiest way to answer is, can you support you and your spouse if they're not working? Like work a budget around that." And a couple other nuggets of truth. I know I'm, I'm going to get going to the other ones. This should might even be its own episode is a couple things. When you marry someone, you marry their spending habits. Okay. So good luck trying to change them. But you should just assume like your expectation is if nothing change about their consuming habits, their spending habits, can I sustain and afford that lifestyle? Okay. Like if you're, if you're going to marry designer purse and You know, I'm getting the guacamole on the side at Chipotle with extra chicken, and you know, I'm gonna get a nice glass of wine with my dinner and steak. You're gonna be paying for that the rest of your life. So don't get upset when they refuse to change their spending habits, okay? So that is by far and away like just assume that their spending habits are not gonna change. Can you afford that lifestyle? Okay, that's a very, very real thing. And the second thing is save. Your chicken, save that money because I promise you, once you start dating and you go to engagement and you start buying rings and jewelry and paying for a wedding and even after marriage, like you are not going to be able to save the same amount of money as you were in singleness. So, one of the best things I did is I started saving in my Roth IRA, my 401k. Well, before I met Kate, I had a good three, four, five, six, seven years to just save money. Okay, so save your money. Put your retirement as much as you can in retirement before you get married. Hopefully, and what I wish for you guys financially is that when you do get married, you have that opportunity to save together. It's really nice to save money on an apartment and small things, but you will end up spending a lot more money uh, eventually. And so yeah, that's just like my little nuggets on the side. Okay, listen, we gotta <laughs> we gotta keep our pace here because these mini man sods are not so many, okay? So therapy, I'll be blunt with you guys. I, I really, really had to taste and see on the topic of therapy. I, I had therapy before Kate. I had some inner healing before Kate, but it wasn't part of my schedule. Okay. It was like a as needed basis, which is not bad, but it took me like screaming and kicking. I have a lot of cynicism. You know, I know I might come across as like a pretty happy whatever guy, but I do have a cynical side. And when it came to therapy, I just like, we saw such a pendulum swing so quickly from therapy is taboo. We can't even talk about it. Like you see it one time in a movie and that person has major problems. I grew up in the South. You can't tell anybody you were going to therapy, right? And then now we're I need therapy. It's as important, as good as Jesus. That's how great it is for me. I was like, that statement and that pendulum swing was enough to say, uh -uh uh-uh-uh, like, Jesus is enough for me. But as you think about that, it really is arrogant, right? Why? Because, like, it it basically says Jesus is enough for me. He's my counselor. I'm like, that's great. But it's also saying, and this was, for me, why I was self-righteous and prideful, was it was saying I have such a close, intimate relationship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit that I do take, not potentially, I do take every concern, every trauma, every issue, every secret thing in my heart, and I perfectly take it to Jesus and I perfectly submit it to the Holy Spirit. And I just, I could be on an island and I'd be with my Bible so sanctified and purified. And obviously, you guys all know how just facetious that is. Proverbs sixteen times talks about God speaks through the wise counsel of many. Therapy for me has been so—it's uh, hard to say, guys. Like it, it is, it really is Jesus and Holy Spirit, my great counselor. But my counselor on earth, the one I've been working with, has been such a godsend for me because it—it's it, just like someone who's dedicated to listen to you, who is so wise, think about it from their perspective. They've studied and studied, and they're just a sponge full of thousands of stories, thousands of people who've come before you. There's typically things that they haven't really seen or heard before. And they've seen a lot of things and how they go. Like they are like a total sage of wisdom. And for me, you know, realizing that the greatest problems of your marriage are not marriage problems. They're gonna be your single problems from childhood, your single problems from teenage years and adult years, you know, all the way from the big T trauma of molestation and rape and really, really deep and hard things, all the way to the, what we call little T trauma, which is like the way your dad spoke to you and reprimanded you one time when you messed up. Like, I'm not going to lie, some of my small T trauma that I've talked about before is in third grade. We had a show and tell on a farm day, everybody brought their animals and we bobbed apples and did, you know, whatever stuff. And my mom forgot to bring my dog. And I was just sitting there on a hay bale, nine years old, like completely forgotten. And that was a major wound for me for a lot of years until I got counseling and therapy, right of being forgotten, believing a lie in that moment that I have to do things on my own because everyone's just going to let me down. So that's why it's so important because when you do get married, it comes out in the form of this. You're at the grocery store and you have to repeat yourself for the third time on the item they want. And all of a sudden you're snapping. Your wife asks you to mop the floor for the fourth time that week. And all of a sudden you're snapping like this side comes out of you. And it's all from your childhood or teenage years. So we're very big on inner healing and shadow work and counseling. And I can just say like personally, guy to guy, like we need more. It's been so impactful for me to hear leaders from the pulpit pastors. I love and respect talk about how the time they went to therapy, they don't expand on any details, but they kind of just give the green light that therapy is cool and it's good. And even the wisest leaders need it. And so, I just want to encourage you guys listening today, like hit that point where you just decide like, no more am I going to say I'm fine. It happened. It's in the past. It wasn't that big of a deal. Like I'm not going to be dramatic. I'm just going to play it down because guess what? That's going to be the kryptonite of your marriage. The greatest kryptonite of your your marriage is going to be the undealt with emotional pain, the emotional lies that we've believed for years and years and decades and decades. That's going to be the biggest kryptonite of your marriage. So I just want to encourage you guys like I needed this. This phrase really spoke to me. Don't wait for it to be an external problem for you to start healing the internal issues that you know you have that you can sense that you can feel that we know if you picture the iceberg like the iceberg and what's visible is what everybody sees externally and then the 80 percent of it is all underneath the surface that only you know and only i know right so please just hear me out like Faithful Counseling is a wonderful partner. It's never been easier to sign up for counseling. It's never been more affordable than now. Make it part of your routine, your habit, a staple in your life, okay? I'm going to get going here in the last couple ones. Fellowship and mission. So I would just say fellowship-wise, I'll ask you. Let me say it like this. You ready? Do you have rich fellowship with men in your life? Do you have it? And if your answer is not absolutely... If it's like, I'm working on it, I'm working on it, or not yet, but I'm looking forward to it. I just got to get these three things. I just moved. If your answer is not like, absolutely, yes, good luck. Like you need it. You really, 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 really need it. And that is the fellowship between other men that's going to sustain you when you hit the hardship, when you need wisdom, when you need counsel, you're your future marriage will certainly depend on the support system of having rich fellowship with other men because if you don't we're just going to keep internalizing we're going to keep suppressing and we're going to keep going rambo you know lone wolf and i promise you like i grew up with that in my household and what i saw from my dad and i just i would not touch it with a 10-foot pole don't leave it up to chance don't leave it up to interpretation Our mindset should, kind of like the financing, whatever it takes. I don't care who I have to hunt down. I don't care how many times I have to follow up. I will not let fellowship between me and other men come down to chance. I will make it happen. I will seek them out. I will triple text them, call them, follow up, whatever it takes, okay? Just have that attitude. And then when it comes to mission, this really should be its own episode, I really think it's related to the zeal episode we did. But if you don't have a mission and you get married kind of wandering around, like you don't have that North Star. Brother, like, good luck, man. Like, good luck. Because your wife can read Ephesians 5 all she wants. But I'm telling you, she is not going (laughs) to... I don't want to speak this out because there's amazing women who've done this. I saw my mom do this, but you are putting so much pressure on them to submit to you, to respect to you, and you have nothing to submit to. You have nothing to respect because it's just you going lone wolf floating about with no mission, right? It's that like passivity that we've talked about so much, Like take it from me, if I'm getting more vulnerable, like congrats, you guys have made it 31 minutes in, but here's where I'm going to get more vulnerable. I would say I had like a half mission before I met Kate and together, you know, as like a father, I've adopted heart of dating. It's been amazing. But one of my biggest regrets is, is not having a full blown mission because heart of dating has been a gift. I've loved stewarding it, but I didn't birth it. Like I didn't have a vision. I didn't have a dream that I ran with and sowed into for five years. And here I am reaping the harvest. Like I was gifted it. And that's been great and amazing. But I can tell you, Kate respects me most. Kate submits me most when I am on mission in the kingdom. And my zeal, my emotional, spiritual fire is dedicated to that first. That's when it's easy for her to submit to me. That's when it's easy for her to respect me. Everything else in that is just you going lone wolf. Don't listen. I hate working in the do's and don'ts, but like, why do you, do you think lone wolf is a great idea? Do you, do you think that's why God put you on earth to go lone wolf in your mission, your half-hearted mission? Don't wait for someone to bother you, annoy you, follow up with you into your mission and vision. There's probably some blockers like there was for me when it comes to chasing this vision and mission. And lastly, I will say this. You ready? This is what we'll wrap up on because it's so good. Guys, it, this is so good. This is the definition of character. And what I loved about Heart of Dating Conference is every person who took that stage from the MC and Elise to JP to Bethany to even Michelle Williams. These are big names, big following people. And that green room behind Heart of, Heart of Dating Conference they were the exact same person when when no camera was on them, when no Instagram reel was filming them, when no photographer was snapping pics of them. They were the exact same. JP Pakluda, listen, when you invite a speaker to your conference, you always give them a gift. You try to write them a letter, give them something nice and fun. He brought us gifts, right? Like, he brought us gifts. That's the kind of character we're talking about, right? So... For you and wherever you are in your life, here's what I would just ask about your character. How do you argue with people when nobody is looking or when it's like a very, very close friend or a boyfriend or you know, a girlfriend or a parent? How do you argue when nobody's looking or we'll find out about it? How are you following up on your word and your commitment? When nobody's going to follow up, nobody will know. How do you honor God and your family and your godly friends when you talk about them in a conversation that nobody's going to know about? A close friend, a foreign friend, right? How, how do you talk about them when they've done something to really hurt you and bother you, right? How do you submit? Here's a great one. You ready? How do you submit yourself to authority? Mentors. Pastors, bosses, right? How do you submit to authority? How do you respond? Here's the best one. Uh, this one's tough because I read it. I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> How do you respond internally in your mind when nobody can read your mind? Like, what's that internal dialogue? What does that look like? What are the words you're using? Are you cursing internally, right? Or you biting that tongue internally too. Is your godly character something that you could never manufacture? You see, when so much of my story with Kate, I would boast in my godly character. Why? Because I knew it was not character I could manufacture. I knew the character I was talking about was not JJ character. It was godly character. And that only surfaced when I did one thing. I admitted I was weak. I admitted I was broken. And I admitted this is an area I have really no control in. Like, only if God shows up here, then it's great. If it doesn't and it's on JJ Power, ooh, it's going to be bad. It's going to be a big, big, messy failure that's going to train wreck not just my life, but lives around me. That's the kind of character that I can brag in because it's not my character. It's Christ's character in me. And that only happens one way. We are fully submitted to Christ and we are partaking in fellowship at the table. And guess what? Guess what? Guess what? The the temptation of singleness is because nobody's watching. Nobody's grinding up against us Is that I can partake in fellowship with Christ in the morning. And I get up and I'll leave that table and it's time to get back into normal life and I partake at the the table and fellowship with him for five, 10, 15 minutes, listen to me. This is what I'll close on. Never leave the table. Never, never leave the table. The call, the desire, all these things that happen, they only happen if second by second by second, we stay at the table. Literally, I love it. You guys will hear a guest of ours coming up in a, a couple weeks And he talks about ratatouille, literally Holy Spirit on the top of my head, guiding my actions. And that that thread, I'm just pulling that thread. It's the only thread that sustains me. Never men hear me. Never leave the table. I love you guys. I hope this was a great episode. I hope it was practical. I hope it was challenging. I hope some of you guys walk away from this episode saying, I'm not ready (laughs) for marriage and I'm not on the current pace that I'm going according to the checklist. I'm not on a path and trajectory to be a great husband, but guess what? I want to be. That's how we respond. Love you guys. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.